saw what George Lucas gave to me. Ten poles of roasting, nine rat dots rolling, eight Ewoks dying, seven Adash shoot, six Tusken Raiders, five Deathstar plants, four heisting crews, three dismembered limbs, two awkward dialogues, and a really shitty prequel movie. Hello and welcome everyone to episode 10 of our 12 days of Star Wars special. I apologize because I'm back to my regular schedule of content creation so I can only edit on the weekends. So most likely I'll be pumping out one episode a week but we're almost done. Today we're going to be covering a very controversial Star Wars movie, The Last Jedi. Now at first I thought the movie was okay after watching it in the theater. And a lot of people started hating it on the internet, so it became popular to hate it. Honestly, of all the things that I didn't like, there are relatively few there, and you could easily take them out of the movie. But The Last Jedi actually did quite a few things right. Ryan Johnson took these characters in a new direction. He focused more on the character arcs. If you rewatch Force Awakens and Rise of Skywalker, you'll see that it's non-stop action with very little character development, whereas The Last Jedi had more character development and it's closer to what I wanted to see. Some of the directions they took these characters on could have been divisive, but I don't think they were poorly done at all. Anyways, you'll hear more about this without further ado. Welcome to episode 10, covering The Last Jedi. Hello and welcome everyone to episode 10 of our 12 Days of Star Wars special. Today we're going to be covering probably one of the most controversial Star Wars films to date. Other than the holiday special, The Last Jedi, Barry, why don't you take us away? No, oh, this movie has sparked more hatred than all of the Sith and all the history of Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> People are so angry about this movie. And it's... I kind of get it. I'm also slightly baffled at how visceral people's reactions to this film are i guess we should just dive into it personally personally i quite like this film i think it's got a lot of great ideas and some really dumb ones <laughs> it at least does more with the characters it does a little bit more with the story it has decent pacing it does have some issues there's some sloppiness in there some some structural issues uh particularly in the middle section, and uh, I think the final section as well. A little bit of unevenness, but for all that, it introduces some cool ideas, some interesting character choices, and there's there's like some real storytelling going on, some character development, and you know, our, everybody has a nice little arc. Yeah, I I I personally enjoyed the movie. I think it's overall a, a good film. <laughs> And I'm sure 50% of the world will disagree with me, according to Rotten Tomatoes. That's a discussion for a, a little good later film. I, I think it's I think it's actually a good film. Mm, okay, <laughs> okay. How about you, Sam? Yeah, when I first watched it, I was like, I think there's something wrong with this movie. And the more I thought about it, uh, I started hating it. Not because I read online reviews and stuff, but mostly because of Rose. Just the general stupidity of these characters. Holdo, how they turn Poe into this hothead. But like the more I 
thought about it and the more I watched it, I think it is actually a pretty decent film. Again, there's some weird decisions here that are just completely stupid for me personally. The entire arc starting with Holdo, going to the casino sequence, and ending with Holdo. I thought it was unnecessary and kind of stupid. There's a lot of ideas in there. A lot of things said that was pointless and it was not intelligent and it was just it was just a loop. It's a loop of stupidity that kept going and going and no one won. <laughs> nothing nothing good happened, no character was developed. That's why I kinda hate it, but if I ignore that part, as well as uh, the thirty five bits of humor, which kind of for the most part fall flat some of the humorous stuff works out, but relatively few. Again, there's, there's 35 that I recorded. It doesn't work for me. I, I think it's really poor because it's not related to what's happening. There's no buildup to it. It's just this random thing happening. And you're like, oh, okay, I guess that's supposed to be funny. But you take those out as well, which is, they're very short, by the way. They're not really long. They don't linger on it. Uh, is that this, this is probably the movie in the new trilogy with the most character development and the most interesting character development. Like Barry said, the pacing is a lot better. There's not action happening every five minutes. It, it lets things breathe. The problem is, though, it still doesn't show you a lot of things. It tells you what's happening. It tells you what these character motivations are. But it does, it does show you a bit as well. That's why I like this film a lot. Also, I really do like where he took the characters, and I think the problem is people want to hate the movie because it didn't live up to their own expectations. They wanted these characters to be a certain way, and they weren't, so they automatically say the movie is bad, and I think that is dumb. You gotta look at the characters and see if the development is good or not, or at least well-written and well-acted from the perspective of cinema, which I think it is. And I think it's, oh, there's so many good scenes like that. We're just watching a scene here where Kylo senses Leia in the bridge and his finger is hovering over the, the button to shoot. And in the end, he doesn't. And that shows, that shows, it didn't tell us. It shows that he's still conflicted and he wants to be with his family. And then they ruined that by having Leia in space. And I got to tell just zoom back in. Which I don't have the biggest problem with, but like it, it wasn't a necessary scene. Like it didn't establish anything important. It undermines what happened before with Kylo struggling with good and like his connection to family. I can get into that more, but overall, I really liked that this movie was more about the characters instead of telling us everything. Like Force Awakens and Rise of Skywalker, it showed us. It showed us these characters, their struggles, uh, how they're interconnected how the character motivation for Luke, for his reason for hiding, wanting the Jedi Order to die, I thought was awesome. People focus too much on the blue milk scene, but you cut that out, and I really like where Ryan Johnson put Luke. It might not fit with your image, but if you look at what happened to Luke and what he did, it makes logical sense to me. It makes sense why he did what he did, and it, it's relatable. We can all make that mistake. And I really like that one line where... Uh, we can go into later, but uh, it's like uh, all, all it was left with was staring into the eyes of a frightened child and, you know, shame. This, I was like, oh, that's so good. That light bit of dialogue. <laughs> Masterful. Anyways, back to you, Barry. Back to you. Yeah, see, The Last Jedi, 
I mean, Ryan's thesis in this film is the old stories are great. There's lots to love about them, but the legend, like the story that everyone's built in their mind, is greater than of the lore of Star Wars. It's far, far beyond the reality of Star Wars as it exists. Yes, I forgot to add in the meta level of commentary in this film. Uh, Now that I look at it again. It's actually really smart and a bit savage at times. Like, ouch, Ryan Johnson, that you didn't need to go there. <laughs> Not the younglings. <laughs> Not the yeah. younglings. <laughs> it's, oh. it's pretty brutal. Like, a little scathing critique of the fandom. Like, kind of a jab at them. Do you want to go over all of it? Because I really like the, the meta commentary. I think people kind of missed it. If they missed it, then they're they're not really watching the movie. (laughs) But okay, so... Yeah, let's go over it. I want to join Ryan in ribbing the series a little bit, you know? I love Star Wars, don't get me wrong. I'm just... But it's okay to make fun of it once in a while, you know? I mean, the core thesis, based on Luke's character, Luke being the main character of the previous saga, or the original trilogy, I guess. So Ryan Johnson is looking at these characters and saying, Hey, Luke Luke is great. We need to kind of move forward. It's not like these legends need to anchor us to the ground, you know? Mm-hmm. And he's looking at what he was... At the end of Force Awakens, it ends with that shot of Ray, you know, holding the lightsaber off to Luke. It's literally a baton pass from J.J. Abrams. Like, your turn. <laughs> and then Ryan's like, oh, it. you don't know what's coming. You don't Ryan know what's Johnson coming, J.J. <laughs> takes that baton and he fucking throws it off the yeah. cliff. <laughs> He's like, like, fuck your baton. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck your baton. (laughs) (laughs) I think that he's looking at the films and he's looking at the fans and how they've kind of absorbed the the world of Star Wars up to this point and saying, you know, there's a lot to love about Star Wars, but there's a lot we need to kind of move forward from. (laughs) Because he does pay great homage to the original saga. Mm-hmm. With some wonderful moments, some great character stuff. But the thesis is, Luke's character is old and bitter <laughs> and full of regret. And I think that's pretty interesting. It's an interesting place to put his character. Because people are saying, oh, his character is ruined forever. Ryan Johnson is taking a dump on the original trilogy. Uh, in a way, I, I understand that frustration. You want to see the hero that you grew up with, you know, yeah. Luke rising up like a literal god with his laser sword. <laughs> I understand. Or lightning in the sky, perhaps? Yeah, it's just blowing <laughs> up ships left and right with his super yeah. mega force powers. Yep. Uh, but, you know, it's not, it's not his story anymore, first of all. Yeah, And secondly, I mean, Luke was, I mean, he was just a guy with a sword. <laughs> he was a good pilot. He did some great stuff, but he's not, like, everybody's idea of him is way way better than what he really is and that's johnson's thesis and the way he's approached this film and i kind of like that because mostly because i'm okay with luke as a character his story was done after the first the original trilogy and this new trilogy is essentially a new character that's taken you know what 40 years i don't i don't remember canonically where we are it's 30 or 40 years in the future so it's it's basically a new character if you think back those those few of us who are old enough to think back 20, 30 years ago and think where we were. 
Uh, yeah, no. Well, I was I was probably pooping and crapping myself. Yeah, <laughs> as a toddler. yeah. That's where I was. But yeah, characters allow characters to change and grow, guys. It's it's a thing. Yeah, it's a thing. And I wanna I wanna throw in here too. Like the more I watch it, the more I think about it. It's actually a lot of director inserts in here, and it's just telling fans like. How stupid Star Wars is at times. Like, uh, I like Luke's two lessons. He has three, but the third one was implied. But the first one was the Force is not about lifting rocks. <laughs> so, like, so some reason the Force evolved into this this actual like physical combat with Yoda battling Count Dooku and all of that. And I was like, guys, the Force is just about the energy in between all things. It's not about doing things with it. And then he kind of proves how, how ridiculous it is by having Rey actually lift rocks at the end. And I kind of hated that part. But then thinking back, uh, as part of like a meta commentary, it makes absolute sense. He's showing you what's happened to Star Wars and, and the Force and characters. And then lesson two was the legacy of the Jedi's failure and hypocrisy. There's <laughs> coding yeah. how, yeah, they let Darth Sidious rise because they're so dumb. And then wipe out the Jedi. And they're just all a bunch of failures and hypocrites. And that's what they were in the prequels. If you don't believe us, go watch episodes one through three again and just look at how dumb they are where, you know, Obi-Wan found bazillion clone troopers. And he's like, yeah, I see no ill will here. I don't see anything wrong with this. <laughs> I, see no, I see no problem. Here. Yeah, I see no problem. I'm like, guys, the guy who ordered it died 10 years ago. Are you? <laughs> Come on. Like every everything the Jedi do in the prequels is so contrary to yeah. what we're told about the Force and the Jedi prior exactly. to that. Yes, that too. Like they don't have uh, respect for clone lives. They don't want to like save people. Uh, that happened in Return of the Jedi too, by the way, where Obi Wan and Yoda want Luke to kill Vader, but then Luke is like, "No, I don't want to kill him. He's my father." And then it's like, "Can't have compassion, and we're gonna lose now because if you don't kill him." all hope is lost and that's not how the jedi work or at least the way they were established before when luke was talking it was great acting look at what luke is saying is true and then he was saying that he failed uh, it was me and you know he's a jedi master uh, a legend like sarcastically that scene you could feel his regret and remorse for what he did and then, you know, Ray Ray's kind of like the direction that Ryan Johnson wants Star Wars to go, where it's like, hey, uh, I need somewhere to belong. I'm, I'm lost here. And Kylo failed you. I won't. Blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, she's kind of, after she finds out that Luke tried to kill Kylo, uh, she said that his mistake was believing that Kylo's choice was already made when it wasn't. And, you know, there's always redemption there possible. And I think kind of making a situation or like talking about The Last Jedi in general where people are like, they already made up their mind that this is a failure, this is a bad movie. But if you look past that, you can see that what he's doing is kind of setting up the seeds for Star Wars to go in a new direction, you know? There's so many more areas of meta-commentary. I was talking to you about this earlier where it really threw me out though because it felt like a director insert where... Kylo Ren and Rey are fighting the what were the red dudes? Imperial uh, guards, the elite warriors. Yeah, elite guards. What whatever the, they call the, the, royal, the, the royal guards. <laughs> Rogue. Okay, the red dudes, the, red yeah. royal dudes. Uh, after they killed Snoke, and 
It was good until Kylo started ranting, where it's like, you gotta let the old things die. Come join me. Just let everything die. The Jedi, the Rebels, like the First Order, let everything die. Join me. Let's build something new together. And it felt like Ryan Johnson just yelling at the fans. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't think that's 100% his message. I think he's saying that there's something we have to look at here. I don't think he says Kylo Ren is necessarily correct, that we should throw it all, all away. Yeah, yeah. But we do need to kind of take a step forward. Like, let, let it go, you know? Let it go a little bit. I appreciate all that stuff, you know? It's, yeah. it's, it's an interesting thing to, to play with and think about. I mean, there's plenty, like I said earlier, there's lots of cool ideas, and there's lots of really dumb ideas in this movie. There are. So, we were talking about this uh, earlier, too, before the podcast started, where I would have really liked the movie. I would have considered it a genius level if they didn't have all this dumb stuff in there. But then, it might have been put in there on purpose to show that Star Wars itself is dumb, you know, to prove that by making it dumb. He's saying that Star Wars is dumb, and I'm going to make this movie dumb as well. And if that was the case, then you know what? That's kind of brilliant. It's next level. It's but so it's still next dumb. level, it became genius <laughs> level? Yeah, it's genius level. But I, can't, I still can't give it, like, I don't know. I don't think Ryan Johnson is that uh, dedicated to, you know. I don't think he's, he's trying to be that clever. I think there's just some dumb stuff in the film, which is fine. Yeah, <laughs> it's a lot of dumb stuff. That's why I can't take the movie too seriously because if it has this like genuinely brilliant stuff in it in terms of meta commentary about the, the franchise, about the fandom, like genuine, genuinely interesting uh, character developments and interactions and story elements. And then it's just all this dumb stuff is sprinkled in the mix and it ruins your, your, your appetite for the movie. Like, you take a bite of food, it's delicious, but then you taste something a little off about it in there, and it's just like, ah, oh, this ruins the whole thing. Doesn't mean it's bad, you know? You know what I mean? Like, Rose, yeah. especially, I'm just like, ah, oh, ah. Oh. Yeah, Rose's character, yeah, whatever. I, I hate whatever. her so much. She's so dumb. <laughs> She's given like all all the worst parts in this film. Yeah, you can't you can't blame the actress. I, it's I don't. It's not her fault. It's not her fault. You know, it's just she was given all the worst stuff to do in this film and all the worst bits of it. All the worst dialogue, especially. Oh my god. I guess we should just dive into it. Right. Into Rose or what? <laughs> Some of the dumb. Let's let's dive into the dumb. Into stuff dumb in stuff. The film. Oh, dude, I have okay. so many. I have so I I wrote a. Oh, it's all the jokes. <laughs> yeah, the humor. I was fine with it. It's dopey humor. I was fine with uh, half of it. It's it's not it's not the best. The movie opens on a your mom joke, which I chuckled at. I'm like, <laughs> that's so dumb. The only reason I was okay with it because it was it was Hux, and it was so cheap. It was a ham and cheese sandwich right there. It's Poe doing a your mom joke to Hux. <laughs> it was great because Hux is he doesn't get it. He still thinks that there's a communication error, and someone has to tell him. I I think he can hear you. <laughs> He's he's fucking with you, dude. Yeah, <laughs> he's so cartoon evil. Oh, oh this man. is great. <laughs> All right, I guess let's get into the stuff that is dumb but doesn't matter. And I'm, all the I humor one, bits, then. Yeah, the humor bits. Okay, I I got to talk about my yeah. my biggest gripe with reasons people pick to dislike this movie, which is the, all right. Let's the goddamn go over that. Bo- Which is the bombers? Okay. Okay. People hate these bombers because apparently they don't make sense to people from like physics. And I don't think people understand how physics work. 
I see so many people complain about the bomber scene where they're bombing the dreadnoughts. Mm-hmm. And first of all, even, all else aside, Star Wars has always borrowed very, very heavily from World War II, like fighters and bombers and how everything worked there. You know, you'd, you would send in like a group of bombers and have them protected by fighters. And that was, that was a thing. People did that to, to take out, to launch, do like torpedo attacks on carriers and, and destroyers and stuff. That was a real thing. I guess people take issue with it because it's in space. And I'm going to list the reasons why that's dumb. <laughs> okay. It's kind of okay. Okay. Really quick. People complain because the, the bombs drop down from the bombers, which doesn't make sense because there's no gravity in space. First of all, there is gravity in space. There's no magical demarcation point around a planet where gravity just stops. That's no. <laughs> gravity keeps going. It affects you less, but it's still there. Secondly, we've already seen Thai bombers drop bombs, and people had no problem with it. The Empire yeah, Strikes yeah. Back. It's it literally, literally in there. It's been in there since the second movie ever made. I'm going to argue that they're shooting it as opposed to dropping it. But I, I mean, that's fine. You can, you can yeah. still say the bomber is shooting it out. You don't know they're not. Those rails could be magnetic or something, and you're just yeah. like shooting them out. The bombers could be shooting you. I'm fine with that. Yeah, they could be self-propelled. You don't know. Whatever. It's a bomb. And then finally, there is... You can just, like, ignore all of that and still say that there's gravity inside the bomber itself, which they show you in the exact same scene. Yeah, the girl falls. The Asian girl climbs up, and then oh, she the falls one. back down. <laughs> they are the cute one. Rose's much cuter sister. <laughs> <laughs> and she falls down, and even as long as there's gravity in there, if you open the bomb doors and release the locks, okay, it's still going to accelerate all of the bombs out at the, at the acceleration of gravity inside the bomber. As soon as it exits the bomber, maybe the gravity is gone, but in space, there's no air, there's no friction, nothing to slow you down, so they're just going to keep going forever or until they hit the dreadnought, which they do. So that, I just need to get that out of the way because it's really frustrating to me seeing people argue over this. There's, yeah. there's tons of valid explanations. Now, are, yeah. they, are they effective as a fighting force? You can argue that they're a little bit dumb. Yeah, they're, they're really very, dumb. <laughs> they're, they're very slow and sitting ducks. But it, it's okay. Like, they established they had to clear away all the turrets from the dreadnoughts. So they wouldn't yeah. just get blasted apart. They are vulnerable to, to fighters attacking them, which, which is why they had fighter support. It didn't work great. It was actually more real than any star battle I've seen in Star Wars. Yeah, like, they yeah. get torn apart by fighters. It works because they're still fairly effective. It's sad, but they essentially traded, what, like seven bombers, each having a crew of like four people. They traded 30 people for an entire dreadnought full of First Order goons. I think that in a more cynical world, that's a pretty, pretty respectable trade. Yeah, and those dreadnoughts are fleet killers. They'll kill entire fleets. So you traded a small bomber squadron for a, a fleet killer, basically. Yeah, and like however many thousands of First Order goons are on there. Also, I want to throw in that like battles have KDA. never been... KDA. <laughs> KDA is super high. Like, all I want to throw in there also is that, like, the fighting has never been about the fight itself and being technically accurate. It's always about the struggle between two forces or two ideals. And this one is a little bit of a struggle. It's kind of to show that the rebellion is out, outnumbered, outmatched, and also to show that Poe is a hothead and he's willing to sacrifice troops just to blow stuff up, really, without really thinking about the consequences, even though. 
even though what he did made sense. If you think about it, the trade was worth it because if you if the dreadnought was still there and they're chasing the fleet, that would have been screwed right away. But you know, <laughs> instead you got you traded that, and you you gotta ask yourself what is it establishing? What's the point of it? And then it, the thing to be angry about is a pointless battle scene. Like there's a lot of that in the prequels, and there's a lot of that in Force Awakens as well. And I don't see people getting upset about that or like the the tentacle creatures. Like you know, <laughs> it's a lot of stupid stuff going on, guys. And I think there's better things to argue about here. Um, out of all the stupid stuff in this movie, that was probably the least stupid. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on to stupid point number two. Okay. Uh, Mary Poppins Leia. All right. Yeah. Pe- yep. People. People. Like. Yeah. It's. It's a little bit dumb. The. The visual. The visual of it is way dumber than the actual storytelling elements of it, which still have some problems. It looks visually a little bit goofy, but we know, like, Jedi can, like, pick up X-Wings and stuff. It's not, like, a person weighs a lot less than an X-Wing, right? So, theoretically, you can kind of pick yourself up and kind of throw yourself around a little bit, right? It's fine. I th- it does look super goofy. The problem does... I had, yeah. They were good. Oh, the problem I had, the biggest problem I had was they, she goes back into the bridge and they open the door, which is a single layer door, which would vent the atmosphere from the corridor. So <laughs> I think that's more dumb than Leia doing the force thing. Again, it looks, tough, it looks stupid, but the problem I had with it was that there was a really emotionally heavy scene before that where Kylo is struggling to shoot Leia or not, and he doesn't. And then other TIE fighters go past him and blow it up. And there's like this look of sadness and regret over his face, like wanting to do something, but like he can't act. It was so good. It was well acted. Again, there's no dialogue. It was just all done through his face and Leia's face as well. And when you have such a heavy moment like that, you have to let it breathe a little bit so that the audience can digest it and like remember that scene. But then you have this goofy looking scene right afterwards and it undermines all of that i wish they didn't do that because then i think people would see that there's actually good things in the movie they forgot all about the good things and they're just angry about like the smallest dumb thing and that's what i don't get there's actually genuinely redeeming qualities about this film here yeah it's it's kind of a nitpick it yeah. the moment it, it is dumb but it, it, it is barely, dumb it yeah. barely matters the bigger issue with this scene is it's kind of it's kind of undercutting the the dramatic consequences of killing off leia so they're like oh leia's dead oh my gosh and then they just like pull it back like Mm -hmm. one like half a scene later do you know Uh, which is which is a problem a much bigger problem in another movie we're about to yeah i was gonna say it rise of skywalker does that like almost (laughs) with every character (laughs) like if you thought that was dumb get ready for rise of skywalker i don't understand like if you're angry about that why aren't you angry about rise of skywalker you know oh boy All right, dumb point number the third. I don't remember where we are at. Oh, we at Blue Milk yet? We didn't get there yet. We we did uh, bombs and flying Leia. Mary bombs, Poppins, Leia. flying Leia. A Mary Poppins, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> and then next is probably oh, just just Luke throwing the saber away. Mm-hmm. So we must be at all the Luke stuff then. The blue milk, the spear fishing. <laughs> blue milk, spear fishing, just generally being an ordinary old bastard. I can dig it because they're showing us a different part of his character arc. Essentially, he's a new character. 
Now, Blue Milk is a little distracting. I mean, Blue Milk itself has been in Star Wars, and it can make, like, the moment did make me roll my eyes a little bit. It's just Luke fucking being a huge troll to, <laughs> to Ray. And I, I guess it's it's not the best, but it's also I don't I don't think it's like a deal breaker or anything. For me, again, the reason why I didn't like it is that it doesn't sure it shows Luke as a grumpy old man, but the thing that really got to me was the reason why Luke is grumpy and what, like what he did to Kylo and the consequences of that. They should have focused on that, but if you have the blue milk in there and the stupid long spear that he uses to fish, and for some reason he hops to the other side of the cliff instead of <laughs> just using it on the cliff. Yeah, I didn't notice that, Barry. Just use it on the side you were on to begin with, man. It's, it's so long. You just yeah, it's so spear long. it from no anywhere. Need. Yeah, and like the thing is, like that undermines all the stuff that you're trying to do here, and I don't know if these choices are intentional because it seems like after like any anything that's good and genuine and like new and and heartwarming and and has weight to it they ruin it they undercut it they undermine it with with something stupid it might have been intentional because it's so consistent throughout the movie and it's not that it ruins the entire thing it, again it didn't if you really watch it again and just stop hating the movie just for the sake of hating the movie if you just ignore that bit then you'll see that it's there's something good after that after the blue milk, after the spear fishing, you get into this story where it's a really heavy story where Luke is, you know, full of himself a little bit. He thought he could raise the Jedi again, and he took Leia's son. Like that, that part was heart wrenching. It's it's his sister's son, and he saw the evil within within him. And that moment where he hesitated and he wanted to kill him, he just for a briefest of moments gave into the dark side. <laughs> ben wakes up. And then comes back and just kills everyone. Uh, takes the rest of the students to convert to the dark side as well. And like you see the effect that has on Luke. Like, I understand why he would want to hide. I understand why he would want to let the Jedi die. And all of that. And that's good. That's interesting. That makes sense. Like Luke isn't perfect. He has flaws. Like they keep pointing that out in Empire Strikes Back. And like to see those flaws manifest for the briefest of moments again in in uh, the last jedi it makes sense there's logic to it mm-hmm. at least for me i don't know if it had the same impact for you uh barry no it does and we can go we can go into i don't know i think i think and this is going to sound really pretentious i think ryan mm-hmm. johnson was trying to be too clever with mm-hmm. star wars because the stories were always quite simple and he's adding in yeah. It's just good versus evil. In this movie, he's adding in the concept of like, you know, shades of gray. You know, people that are not Would necessarily say fifty shades of gray. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe like twenty five. Twenty five, right? <laughs> <laughs> Shirtless Ben. You know, there's these characters like Benicio del Toro, who's kind of a dick, but he's not a hundred percent a dick. This is a nice segue into Kanto Bite, which is oh. e- easily the worst part of the film. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's point. It's fairly pointless. Okay, this this is the gripe that holds true. It's it slows the movie down. It's utterly baffling visually compared to the rest of the film. The film is about like failure and people being miserable and like on the run and then they come to Canto Bite. And I, I get the message he's sending here, like, you know, weapons dealer is bad, you know, animal rights and stuff like that, but 
it kind of it kind of had no real place in this film. <laughs> yeah, it didn't have a place in this film. They they establish a very strict timeline. They're like, we have eighteen hours of fuel left, and uh, Finn and Rose are like, let's go fuck around on Kanto Bite for ten hours. <laughs> <sighs> they get arrested for parking on the beach in yeah. a public area. They get arrested for parking. Uh, it just slows it down. What ends up coming from it is at least interesting, like that message. Oh, you know, these are weapons dealers, and uh, you know they're, they they're, deal both to the First Order and the Rebellion. Yeah, they're double dealing, and it's like, oh, they're they're selling weapons to the First Order, but they're also selling it to the Rebellion. So, like, the struggle, good versus evil, is just putting money into the pockets of these dickheads. <laughs> they're not all bad. There's, you know, Del Toro said, bad guys, good guys are made up words. Which is not true, by the way. <laughs> that is not true, Del Toro. Some guys are definitely bad. <laughs> there's definitely bad guys. Yeah, there's definitely bad guys. Like, that whole sequence with, like, the horse things is so... It's really distracting because your friends are literally dying. Like, a scene after they rescue these horses, one of the cruisers runs out of fuel and then the pilot dies and you're like oh god <laughs> Finn Rose you might want to you might want to not waste any more up, time yeah. there <laughs> and also the fact they decided to rescue the horses but not the slave children <laughs> yes <laughs> yes what I'm are like, you... I was like why don't you just rescue the kids the kids They're the people. kids think of the children think of the children not just the children, but the women and the men. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, come on. Yeah, the reason why I had a problem with it was that if it had a payoff, it would have been good. But the payoff was, the, again, the line where they free the animals. And then Rose takes the saddle off of the last animal. And she says, now it's worth it. And I was just, I, was, I wanted to throw up because that's so dumb. The problem is, if we had a whole movie to build up the reasons why we should care about these space alien horses and like establish a relationship with them then it would make sense like you have an attachment to that character but instead you just introduce them show them being abused sure that's terrible but like there's no connection to that you're just forcing us to have a feeling because we're doing something bad to these creatures so therefore we should have sympathy but we don't because we don't know what those things are and it doesn't make logical sense either. It's too forced because if you look at, you know, we were talking about this earlier before as well, racehorses or any animals that are, are used for that kind of sport, they're taken extremely well cared for, more than the people themselves. That's why I have slave kids. But like, you want to treat them well because they have to perform well until they can, in which case they get turned into glue, obviously. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. But like, that didn't make sense. Also, the fact that those animals were captured and brought to this planet or captured from that planet and brought to the casino so that freeing them from visible distance from this casino will do nothing because they'll get captured again. So, like, all these things are illogical and it and doesn't make sense and it's not well written. It's not well acted. It's not the actor's fault again. They gave her bad dialogue and I don't hate the actor and I don't think she's a bad character, but the decisions of the people in, in charge of her, in charge of the movie to make this character and give her dialogue that's so dumb. <laughs> it makes me angry because they finally had an Asian character and you, you ruined her. 
yeah. an Asian main character. There are Asian main a character. Asian people in these films. You're right. I mean, there was like one guy in Return of the Jedi showed up for like five seconds and then died. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess let's let's move on to dumb stuff number four. Laura Dern. Laura Dern's character. Oh my god. The real issue with this character are a couple things. One, Purple she hair? Looks, <laughs> yeah, sort of. Less purple hair, more the overall way she's visually presented. Because yeah. the rebellion, or resistance, I guess, is like a military operation. They're operating like... This is similar to the issue I had with Amelia Clark's character in Solo. Uh, okay. It's a military operation. They're all operating like on the fringes of the universe, and they're all technically on the run all the time, or hiding, and they're always fighting, right? And she shows yeah, they're up. They're kind of dirty, ghetto. Yeah, not yeah. dirty, but like definitely not wearing like an evening dress. Yeah. I'm not sure why that particular wardrobe choice is made. I guess they're kind of going like Mon Mothma, who was wearing kind of like this white robe the entire That's more time. like a senator's robe, you know? Yeah, but like hers yeah. looked more almost like religious. It was like a like a smock almost. Yeah. And it looked more formal and hers looks it looks like a cocktail dress. Yeah. It looks like you're you're something to go out drinking with your friends with and combined with the purple hair, it does not lend any credulity to her character as as an admiral. That was the first it, like you're already predisposed to question her question her military that's because we're not woke enough barry we're obviously sexist yeah yeah we're obviously sexist we gotta we gotta just get woke uh the second issue with the character is her the entire arc of her not telling poe her plan as the audience you're not given enough to believe yes side of the argument we needed a little bit more. Like, if, like, like I have a spy there or something. That would be easy then. I have a spy. That, that's, that's kind of how I got past it. Like during the movie, I'm like, oh, maybe there's a spy or something. Uh, but they don't, they don't give us anything to that effect. The audience just needs a little bit more to buy her side of it. And you really don't. Right up until the very end. You really don't. Like Poe's side makes more sense even though you're annoyed at Poe. You can see the logic to what he's doing. I'm not sure if it was lost in the edit or... Maybe it's just underwritten a little bit. You you understand what they're going for with Poe's arc. Holda was kind of her foil in this whole film. She's supposed to be the, like the level-headed commander who has the big picture, and he's the hot-headed. You know, they lay it out for you. He's the hot-headed, hot-shot pilot who just yeah. like flies by, flies by gut instinct. You know, it makes sense. But then like you're missing the details therein. You know, it's a little bit underwritten. It lacks a little bit of believability, right? It, it, a lot for me. Yeah. Like, I couldn't believe an admiral of who's supposed to be, like, a hero of the Republic and a tactical genius. Again, they tell us this. They, don't, they never show us this. They just tell us this. And then they show us this character who's acting like an Imperial officer, where it's like, you will do as I say. And that's it. That's the bottom line. And I was like, I don't really see generals in the Republic acting that way in the Rebellion. Even Thrawn is better than that, and he's an imperial officer, a general, <laughs> Grand Admiral Thrawn. Yeah. It didn't make sense. Like when I think of Leia, when I think of Han, Lando, uh, Admiral Akbar, all of those guys. Like the Republic is about this teamwork and unity and diversity, whereas the Empire, the First Order, uh, kind of represents a more 
rigid, more like racist or a sexist command structure. It's all white British dudes. I mean, that's <laughs> the actors they had, but that's what you see in, in the Empire. They hate aliens. It's canon. <laughs> like, they are Nazis. <laughs> they're Nazis, but then the rebellion is supposed to be the opposite of that. And we got Holdo here kind of acting not level-headed because it would make more sense to tell Poe the plan so that he doesn't do something stupid. All you got to say is, I have a plan. We got something worked out. Don't worry, Poe. Instead of, just shut up and do what I say. That's why you were absolutely right, too. Like, if they added in a little bit where they're like, oh, there's a spy. We can't tell you, Poe, because we got to keep OPSEC. It's a thing. Although, yeah, we got to keep OPSEC. For those that don't know, OPSEC means operational security. Yeah, just just keep it secret. (laughs) Loose lips sink ships. Yeah, exactly. But there's no reason for that. So that's why, for me, personally speaking, Take out all the stupid stuff. The biggest offender for me is the scenes leading up to the Canto Bite stuff and then Admiral Holdo's scene after that. If you had removed that from the movie, you lose absolutely nothing for me. You lose nothing at all. No character progression, no narrative progression. Like literally nothing happens of consequence in that scene. Take that out and then you take out the little bits of the humor that fall flat. The blue milk, the spear fishing. You can leave that in if you want, but if you took it out, I think people would see that this movie is actually pretty good. And I, I'm tempted to make a fan edit taking that stuff out just to show people the movie at its core. I think that's a bad rap. Too much of a bad rap. It's unfortunate as well, because I think Laura Dern is pretty great otherwise. If you don't recognize that name, she was also in probably most famously Jurassic Park as female paleontologist woman. I gotta rewatch Jurassic Park. It's been a long while there's like the two paleontologists there's the girl one and the guy one they're they're like the main characters <laughs> yeah i forgot you know <laughs> <laughs> okay well maybe we should rewatch jurassic park i only remember the velociraptors and how scary they were <laughs> oh boy anyway if you write the character a little bit better or maybe even just cut the character out yep and just the character keep, out it as, keep it as leia yeah and then have the Holdo maneuver at the end, just be Leia sacrificing herself. I think it would have been a stronger oh, film. Oh, that would have been amazing then. It would have been a lot more convenient for them. <laughs> also, can we talk about the uh, hyperdrive scene? Yeah, I guess, I guess we could skip ahead a little bit. Yeah, just a little bit, because that's kind of related to this. I, I really loved the scene. First of all, really? it's visually, visually Okay, visually stunning. stunning, yeah. And that moment in the theater was amazing, because right up until then... It's like this audio cacophony, and then they're like, oh my god, she's preparing to jump to light speed, and this ship's slowly turning around, and you see from the cockpit angle that like the dreadnought's coming into view, and you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> you understand, it's great visual storytelling. Yeah. The expressions of everybody on the dreadnought's bridge is like, uh-oh. <laughs> uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then it happens, and then the audio cuts. Yeah, And you just like get that. this incredible like visual of, this blooming path of destruction as she suicides into the dreadnought. And it's incredibly visual, and then that decision to cut the audio is wonderful. As far as storytelling... It's okay. I thought it was still fine. People since have said, oh, it makes every single battle, you know, since the beginning of Star Wars, utterly inconsequential now, because they could have just lightspeed rammed everything. Like, yeah, I don't... It's Star Wars. They can just throw in a line like, oh, well, the light speed encabulator uh, usually prevents starships from hitting each other. <laughs> or even just say that 
something that we know which exists, which are Imperial Interdictors, would stop you from doing that. We've seen, um, it, what was it, in Rogue One, where Vader's Interdictor jumps in. It was like, yeah. ha-ha! All the ships can't jump now. Screw yeah. you! Interdictors stop ships from jumping from hyperspace by creating an artificial gravity well, because ships can't jump if they're too close, because then they'll run into the planet and explode. So, <laughs> yeah. There you have it, yeah. For me, I wanted to go out like over the more important thing was that for this film, I'm really grateful that, again, it's not chock full of action scenes and there's actual character moments. Like, oh, we can talk about that, that Luke scene later. Oh, the delivery on that is so good. But like that moment was great because in the previous movies, we see like the super Death Star planet kill five planets and like we don't care. And then in Rise of Skywalker, we see like hundreds of mini Star Destroyers with I mean, Death Star, Star Destroyers, blowing up planets, and, like, they're just blowing up more and more planets, and I don't care about it. It had no impact. I don't care about it. But that scene, if it wasn't for Holdo, <laughs> if it was Leia, that's genius, Barry. Well, we should just edit Leia into that. We'll just CGI her in, instead of Holdo. <laughs> it's slow. It's very slow. It's beautiful, and you understand that there's, there's, well, there's weight to this scene because someone sacrificed themselves to save other people. And it's not a planet blowing up. And it's not this action sequence. It's literally just a sacrifice. Something's enemies die so that they have a chance to move to the next planet. You know, just, there's a plot element there as well. And for me, it was nice and slow. Like, it had a moment to breathe instead of all these chase sequences that it's just inundating these newer Star Wars. Like, oh, every single scene is like a chase scene. At least that's what it feels like for me. And when I watched The Last Jedi, it wasn't that. It was so much slower. Again, there's a lot of dumb stuff that ruined it. But if you ignore it and look at the good stuff, because there is good stuff, I think you can see that there's actually a, a decent movie hiding a little bit. Yeah, Star Wars movies are always have dumb Star Wars shit in them. And I've gotten, I guess I've gotten good at ignoring the dumb Star Wars shit over the Midi chlorians? How come no one's complaining about that? We ignore that now, you know? That's <sighs> what I'm saying. Ugh. <sighs> <sighs> Do people forget that Anakin was conceived by midi-chlorians? He was literally created by midi-chlorians? I mean, if you want to talk about dumb stuff, like... <laughs> midi-chlorians have a will and they created a human being. Or maybe the Emperor caused Anakin to be created by reaching out into the Force and having sex with it. Because maybe. canonically, he's had sex now. <laughs> Are you serious? He fucking, dude! <laughs> well, he's got, he's got a son! <laughs> You're right, you're right. Also, oh, like, spoilers. Uh, <laughs> spoilers. Also, uh, lightning in the sky, anyone? If you're talking about dumb stuff, that's gonna <sighs> ruin the Star Wars universe. <laughs> Intelligent lightning? <laughs> what? Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I still don't get how people watch that, and they're like, oh, Last Jedi was clearly worse in every regard, which I don't think is the case. In fact, for me, after watching it, watching these movies more and more, The Last Jedi is my favorite out of the newer trilogy. That said, the dumb moments are really dumb, though. The highs are way higher, though. There's a lot more highs, and they're higher. The dumb stuff is... Every movie has dumb stuff, and they're all just all dumb. What else can we talk about? What other, what other dumb uh, stuff? Porgs. Porgs? Uh, the reason Chewie the porgs... eating the porg, and then he feels guilty, so he stops, and then the porgs just invade the falcon, and they're everywhere, and they're yelling. They're crashing into the window they're doing a little chewbacca yell yeah, it's a little bit distracting the reason the porgs are in the film are uh that island they filmed on i mean it's a real place and it has 
tons of puffins living everywhere on the island. You can't just kill all of them and throw their bodies off the side. You could. <laughs> Do it. You know, it. Do it. Do it. Um, <laughs> so what, what they did in, in scenes that had puffins in them was that they would CGI them and put just put a porg there. I, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't have to be on the Falcon. It's it's mm. it's a little bit distracting, surely. You can take it out. You can edit it out. Make your own edit. <laughs> That's what I'm gonna do. <laughs> I can't do that with Force Awakens and Rise of Skywalker. Last Jedi, I can completely take out scenes and make it a better movie. Force Awakens and Rise of Skywalker, I mean, uh, you can't do that. It's uh, it's impossible. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. What what other dumb stuff we got? Uh, let's see. BBA shooting coins, the drunk leprechaun man, <laughs> grabbing well, I mean, money, that's putting still, coins That's in all just Canto Bite. We yeah. can just move past that. Move past that? I'm, I'm looking at my notes right now. Oh, uh, Finn. This isn't earlier on. Finn leaking. Oh, the Finn jacuzzi suit? Yeah, the jacuzzi <laughs> it's suit. It's like the jacuzzi suit from, from uh, The Simpsons. I don't know if you remember that. Oh, I have not seen that. No. They're re- referencing The Simpsons? I don't think they were deliberately doing it, but it's what would it remind me of. It was uh, okay. good. It's from where they're filming. This is this is like season six or something where they're filming um, Radioactive Man. The goggles. They do nothing. Yeah, yeah, that 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 episode, and Millhouse gets the part, and his parents. He's like, I don't know if I'm gonna get a lot of money for this. We should probably shouldn't change our lifestyles. And he walks into his parents. And his dad's unpacking like a bunch of new stuff, but his mom's wearing a jacuzzi suit. <laughs> it's, it's like it a, it's like a five second gag, but I remember it distinctly because it was just like a giant bubble suit thing, like with the jacuzzi in it. And that's mm, what okay, okay. Maybe we should make it <laughs> jacuzzi suit. Well, I'm sure it's a terrible idea. <laughs> we should do it. <laughs> just boil yourself. <laughs> oh, uh, BBA piling the uh, ATSD. I mean, does that matter? Does it really matter? I think that was referring this, referencing the scene where Chewbacca is piloting it and Return of the Jedi, and he's shooting the door open. You know, I think it's kind of right. Copy. Yeah, oh, right, isn't it? I, that's what I felt like. It just, it just looks stupid. That's why. Like it had to have the top come off so that you can see BB-8 was the one piloting it. That's. That's what I found more insulting than anything else. Like, you could have just had BB-8 make a noise or something, or just like show him a little bit, like uh, from his perspective or something. You had to have the top come off so that you can see that it was BB-8. Like, we're not that stupid, you know. Like, you don't, you don't have to slap us in the face with what you want to show us. Like, tell us. You can right. you can add a little bit of nuance and subtlety to it, you know. Yeah. It- I was okay with it, mostly because that scene is there and gone pretty quickly. Oh, Phasma. Let's talk about Phasma. Phasma. <laughs> I like what you said about Phasma, how she's the best character now. <laughs> and I sort of agree now. I don't completely agree, because I think she's still wasted, but I agree now oh, what you said. <laughs> I don't think she's wasted, because she, she never was anything. I, I mean, they wasted the potential of having a, you know, Brienne of Tark. You got this kick-ass character that everyone loves, the actress, and, you know, you can give her a kick-ass role or something, a little bit of a tie into Game of Thrones or whatnot. That's what I mean by waste. I don't mean by waste of her character as displayed in the movie because she is completely incompetent. <laughs> so, 
That's what I meant. That's what I meant. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So the the her character arc is, I mean, she starts as this incredible badass, like the uh, the commander of all of the stormtroopers, and she's got this crazy looking armor. She's a slight foil to Finn because Finn starts. He's just a generic stormtrooper. He's cowardly. He's constantly afraid. He's not particularly good. He's a space janitor. And they're opposites, right? Yeah. And then at the end of The Force Awakens, uh, their paths intersect. And at that point, Finn is on an upwards arc. And she, is a, she starts her downwards arc. Because at that, mm. that moment, she has cowardice. Because instead of just dying and not taking down the shield, she just decides to just take down the shield for them. If she hadn't done that, the resistance loses right there. <laughs> they just lose. <laughs> yes. They would have just lost. And instead, she takes down the shield like a complete coward. And then they stuff her down a garbage chute. So Finn starts as a joke, and she becomes a joke at the end of the film. And then it comes to Last Jedi, and it's like the culmination of that arc. At this point, Finn is fully accepting his role as like rebel scum, you know? Janitor man. Janitor scum. <laughs> yeah. Space janitor scum. And she has fully become the role of a fucking joke. Because <laughs> she just dies. She does. She, like, Finn doesn't even kill her. She just falls through the floor and dies. <laughs> yeah. But she's, she's been defeated at that point, like, morally. So Yeah. I, he has yeah. the moral high ground. <laughs> he does. The moral high ground, literally <laughs> and figuratively. <laughs> it's great. And I was like, yeah, that's fine. I don't know why everybody was so angry. Her character was never anything. <laughs> she just has cool armor. You're right. I think people were projecting. They were projecting a cool character when, in fact, if you watch Force Awakens, she was completely useless. Yeah. People had this whole idea in their heads. Like, oh, man, Fazbo, she's like a Sith trooper, maybe? She's such a badass. You're like, that, that's never happened. None of, that, none of that shit in your head has happened on screen. In fact, she's not even mean. She's just like this kind of passive-aggressive boss, you know? She's just like one of those irritating bosses that are like constantly making snide remarks. Exactly. Like, 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 bitch, you ain't (laughs) done shit. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, report in, report in for uh, inspection or whatever. She's like, nothing she did was mean other than, I guess, ordering them to kill the civilians. That was kind of... (laughs) Kill the villagers. Yeah, kill the villagers. <laughs> Not just the men, but the women and the and children. And the children, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> as we come full circle. Oh, you become uh, what you sought to destroy. Yeah, no, I, after you mentioned that, I completely agree. She was never good. It's not like the most amazing thing ever, but it's fine. She's not in any way a big part of these films. Yeah. She has like maybe three or four minutes of screen time total between these two films. That's not the point of her character at all. Can we go into Finn? Because I, I like what you were saying about Finn, and I think this kind of ties in because like Finn's character, he doesn't become like this ideal hero type, more like he's less of a, a failure. <laughs> so, yeah. He's one of my favorite characters from these films because he has vulnerability, he has flaws. He becomes heroic, but he's still not really a hero because he's... He's constantly getting the crap kicked out of him in all of these films. Like in The Force Awakens, he gets beat by like some generic stormtrooper while he's wielding the white lightsaber. Yeah. And then Kylo Ren like completely owns him. 
And in this film, he's like constantly failing and trying to run away and a coward. And he has like a whole arc. He becomes the hero at the end and he earns it. You know, people complain that Ray is a Mary Sue because she doesn't really have to earn anything. She starts with incredible force powers. And that's that's why I think Finn has has a cool little arc through these, at least these two movies. And the third movie, eh, mm, yeah, little, we'll go over. <laughs> not so much. Still, yeah, I still so think much. he has he's a strong character, but he's kind of wasted in the third film. But uh, yeah, he has. I think I think he's the most interesting overall. Yeah, like I completely agree. He doesn't get enough. He needs more. I didn't <laughs> notice it until now. For me, again, I think it's the problem of the audience projecting what they want to see or what they think of when they see a hero. But like Finn represents the everyday common man. Like if you see that kind of situation, if you put ourselves in that situation, we would want to run. And we would want to save like the one or two people who are important to us, who are close to us. He only wants to protect Ray because in his entire lifetime, he was in a stormtrooper camp. He was brainwashed. And like everyone was not that nice to him. And all of a sudden you got this one person who's nice to him. It's the first person he meets. And he gets, you know, he's pretty obsessive about Ray. I think Poe yeah. is first friend. Oh, Poe, that's right. Poe, yeah, sorry. Uh, obviously, yeah, he's not gay, so. <laughs> yeah, he has a case of the not gays. Yeah, not gay. <laughs> but, like, uh, I like that because he, he doesn't, like, he grows very slowly and he still has all of these flaws and he has to fight through those flaws. It's always a struggle. It's always an uphill battle. And he tries to do the right thing when he can. Even though when he was afraid, he saw Rey getting beat up in Force Awakens, he wanted to save her. Because inside, he wants to do the right thing. He's just a massive coward. And we see these situations where he has a chance to do the right thing. And he stumbles and he struggles, but he does it. He tries to do it. And he doesn't always win. Like you mentioned. He's not a perfect hero. He fights against evil, but he doesn't always win. Sometimes he gets his ass beat <laughs> most of the time, actually. And like when you think about it, he's actually the most relatable character in these series. I didn't notice it until you mentioned it, but now that I think about it, I think it's genius. And we don't see that development a lot. We see a little bit in Force Awakens, but it's more fleshed out here in Last Jedi. And unfortunately, it's kind of killed off <laughs> in Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> And Luke's character too, Kylo's character. Uh, should we get into Kylo too? Because I love what they did with Kylo. I love that little, the Force binary connection thing that he has going on with Rey. I thought that was yeah. a cool addition. It's really cool. And they introduced the idea that they're slightly physically connected too, which is important for really important for Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> they're talking and then they get disconnected and, and Adam Driver's like, oh, I've got the salty seawater or whatever rainwater on my face. I'm like, wow, that's uh, that's, that's cool. interesting. Yeah. Wait a minute. Did the Falcon have escape pods? I thought they jettisoned all the escape pods. Uh, oh. It doesn't matter. Yeah, whatever. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. doesn't matter. It's dumb. That part is dumb anyways. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, I thought, man, Adam Driver is probably the standout performance. Him and I, I just really loved John Boyega in these movies as well. But Adam Driver, there's so much nuance to his performance. There is. There's so there's much. There's like so much conflict. And you're like, wow, that's really interesting. He has a very interesting arc. And his, his statement, you know, let the past, let the die. past die. Yeah. You know, kill it if you have to. And I don't think Johnson's saying this is, every, he's correct. But he's saying, 
you know this 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 Kylo Ren kid. He he makes a couple good points. He does. <laughs> you can understand his perspective. <laughs> totally. And like I really liked like how you say it's so nuanced because if you look at his character, he's deeply flawed as well. He's so insecure. There's a genuine struggle for good and bad. He is definitely bad. Does bad stuff. He wants to be bad. But that's because he wants to live up to Vader and he had kind of has this obsession to the point of copying his helmet and everything. And then Snow makes fun of him, so he takes the helmet off. For me, he's one of the more fleshed out characters and Last Jedi does a lot to kind of build him up to a character that you want to sympathize with because in the end, he feels alone. He's extremely alone and Ray's the same way as well. And there's this short line of dialogue where you know they're connected and she's like, you're not alone. You know, and you feel that that connection between them forming. I mean, he was shirtless too, <laughs> like he, you, you feel it forming he's and swole. like he's swole. <laughs> yeah, he's thick. Uh, ben Swolo. <laughs> <laughs> like you feel it forming and you empathize with this character who's supposed to be a villain, and you kind of see see something new developing here, a possibility that maybe he doesn't have to be all bad. You know. There's also some romantic elements yes, going in there. Yeah. Like they're, they're creating a bit of a romantic relationship between them. And I think it's interesting. I wasn't quite convinced of it, but uh, it's, it's an, at least an interesting choice. It kind of explains why Rose's final moment where he kisses a Finn is a thing. <laughs> you're like, oh, we got to give Finn a girlfriend now. That is also one of the scenes that made me extremely angry. It was just that part. Yeah. It's like, why? I'm okay with Rose crashing into Finn because you could have killed him, but he would have died for sure if he crashed into the laser beam, the battering ram. So yeah, I understand there's a possibility of saving him, but then her dialogue afterwards was so ham-fisted and uncharacteristic. I guess it was kind of characteristic. Because she's been just dumb up until this point. Yeah, she's been so <laughs> stupid the entire episode that you kind of buy- you expect something stupid to come out of that mouth. You know what? Maybe Rose is Ryan's characterization of all the pig-headed optimism of oh, these films. Oh, okay. Okay. He's, that, he's that, like, I can see we've that. got to save the animals. <laughs> you know it's worth then, it now it's worth it now it's worth it even though they leave the slave children we're going to win not by killing what we hate but saving what, we, what love. we love smooch <laughs> <laughs> and then Finn is the audience insert because he looks mad confused he's like what just happened here he's like what? I did not consent to this kiss yeah I did not. <laughs> I'm being sexually harassed <laughs> I'm being oppressed I'm a pretty, uh, you know what? If if I think about it that way, I'm less angry. I can't help but hate Star Wars. <laughs> it's not Rose's fault. It's Star Wars's fault. She's representing all that is wrong with Star Wars. What if that was true though? Because like her character is so dumb. Yeah. <laughs> like it would make sense. She's so dumb. She's dumb enough that spoilers here. She gets Jar Jar'd in the yeah. of Skywalker. Yeah. She got she totally got I, I love that I told you that she was gonna be a main character in that movie. You were so I was mad. so angry. Yeah, I was so angry. <laughs> like it better she better not be I was I was gonna I'm ready to hate the movie. <laughs> the movie has so many other problems going Yeah. Up. And I like I'm so sad because they completely ignore her as a character. Not only that, whatever relationship she had with Finn was completely gone and ignored and just gave him a rant. Okay, we can talk about it in the 
Rise of Skywalker episode, but I really felt sorry for, for the, uh, the person playing Rose because there's no need to do that. At least make her a better character instead of removing her from the movie. She got so much hate. It was very unfortunate. That is unfortunate. I hate what she represents, not the actual person playing Rose. <laughs> oh, yes, let's talk a little bit about the, the core plot contrivance of the film, which is the slow, slow speed chase, which a lot of people were irritated by. Mm, okay. uh, I was fine with it. I thought it was great. The, the entire film is essentially a long chase sequence. It's, yeah, it's I kind like of like it's yeah. kind of like Mad Max Fury Road. That whole film mm. was a chase sequence. Okay, <laughs> I'm not watching okay. that movie as well. Uh, people I know you said like, it was good. People's primary complaints about this are one, why don't the lasers work on them from that distance? And two, why don't they just I don't know speed up or like light speed in front of them or something? And uh, I was going to say. For the first one, I was okay with it, personally, because I play video games, and I understand that weapons have a damage fall-off Yes, <laughs> in video games. Like, if you played, like, uh, I don't know, Elite Dangerous, EVE Online, uh, heck, any most first-person shooters, too, you know that bullets become less effective over distance. In space, that's not supposed to be true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, they're energy weapons. Maybe the energy dissipates. I don't know. But the further you are away, the less effective they become. So they're at that, that butter zone, you know, where it still hits their shields, but it doesn't really do anything, which I'm fine with. The fact that fuel, they're running out of fuel, I mean, that's fine. Ships need fuel. <laughs> you know, they don't talk about it very much in previous Star Wars films because just it hasn't mattered up until now. Yeah. But it's fine. <laughs> I think they showed X-Wings getting fueled up in A New Hope, right? I, yeah, I feel like do. I saw they that do. scene where they're like plugging giant hoses in and they take them off. I mean, they like, don't explain it that it's fuel, but it's... Yeah, they don't tell you, but you're visually flat, looking yeah. at it. You're like, oh, they're getting fueled up. That makes sense. Uh, so I'm, I, don't, I didn't have any issues with it at all. I think, I guess people could say it's kind of a boring premise, but it's okay. What do you think, Sam? I I was okay with it that whole part because it builds tension, but for me I wouldn't have spent so much time on it. I wouldn't have spent so much time on the plan. Again, it's just a plot contrivance to get them to the final destination. Half, <laughs> half, but not half. Oh, half it's salt. Two point oh. Half two point no, it's salt. It's, it's not salt. snow, guys. Even though there's snow troopers for some reason. Showing up, it's not. I mean, not they're not. They planet. don't only work in snow. <laughs> I, I guess <laughs> that's not important either. But for me, again, like I'm not excusing the dumb stuff in this movie at all. I think people are overplaying it. For me personally, I I would have removed most of the jokes, and I would have removed the entire casino scene, and I would have removed. I would have shortened the Admiral Holdo scene. I think your suggestion is actually genius. Have have it be a Leia instead of Holdo. <laughs> sacrificing herself and then that would teach Poe a lesson again I would shorten it uh, just you know if you're going with Poe being a hothead make it so that there's a spy somewhere or there's an information leak and then just imagine what Poe would go through when he sees Leia having to sacrifice herself because of his mistakes and then him learning something and, and coming full circle and uh, becoming a better person through that terrible loss. There's consequences to your actions, and I think that would have been brilliant 
but yeah, just I think the rest of the movie is so strong. There's so many good parts to it that I'm sad that it gets such a bad rap. That's that's uh, all. It feels like it feels like the script is like an early draft. It feels like yeah. they just used like a little Tight, bit more some tightening. tightening. Yeah. Some tightening, a couple rewrites. Oh, other points of contention. Uh, the fact it looks that like lightsaber. <laughs> Uh no, Snoke. Destroyed? The fact that yeah. Snoke is no one, it doesn't oh, matter. Yeah. He just dies. I I was fine with that. I actually I really like that. that. I'm like he's he was not an interesting villain to begin with. He's he's so he's a generic bad guy, and that's why I liked it because he seems like he doesn't really have evil intent. He's just there. He's just a dick. <laughs> yeah, he he's just. He's an Asian parent because the way he treats Kylo is like, oh, yeah, I'm so disappointed in you. You'll never live up to Vader. You'll never live up to Darth Vader. Yeah. <laughs> My faith in you was misplaced. And I was just like, oh, why does Kylo feel so relatable to me right now? It's as if something I've experienced in my life, maybe. Uh, Andy Serkis gives a great performance, yeah. I'll say. He does. Snow. You can really see his mannerisms come through. If I had watched this film without knowing it was Andy Serkis, I'm like, oh, it was Andy Serkis. As, yeah. as I first it sounds know. like Andy Serkis. Just the tint of Gollum in there. Gollum. <laughs> and again, like, Snoke is not, the character of Snoke is not important. It's just that he represents an obstacle. The same as an emperor in the original trilogy, he was not important at all. He just represents something that you had to overcome, an obstacle. It was an idea evil. more than a character. Yeah, it was an idea. Whereas in Rise of Skywalker, I don't know what happened. <laughs> what? Uh, I can't wait to talk about that movie. Oh man! And then uh, um, just the fact that Ray is no one; she comes from nowhere. I thought yeah. that was a much better idea than what we ended up getting. Yeah, it was a much better. Idea. I'm like the fact that you don't have to come from a special family or a special place to have to a, hero. a great destiny yeah. to become a hero. I'm like, that's great. That's fantastic. That's great news. That's better than Luke, because he, this is Skywalker blood, you know? Yeah, he's like, oh, the Force runs strong in your family, and Ray's like, bitch, I ain't got no family. Yeah. <laughs> I like I it, too. I am my own self. I am woke. <laughs> yeah, I'm woke. <laughs> the true power comes from my wokeness. The Force awokens. <laughs> the Force awokens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, that's a good point, too, and that scene was so sad, because... Throughout the entire movie and Force Awakens as well, she's just waiting for her family, waiting for her family to come back. And then Kylo says that they sold her off for some drinking money. Can you imagine that's the truth that you're faced with? That's worse than Luke, I am your father. That hits harder for me. And that scene was done well. It was Kylo being petty. He was stabbing her and then twisting the knife. And I was like, oh, this is... There's so much nuance here. There's different levels of emotion. It's, it's varying. It's wide. I like that core dichotomy much more the way yeah. they set it up in this one. Because Kylo, Ben Swallow, <laughs> comes from a family wrapped up in destiny, famous events. Like, they were heroes and villains and all this stuff. And then he chose this path of, like, the easy path of becoming Sith, embracing the darkness and... Gave in to the temptations of the dark side. And Rey comes from dick nothing. <laughs> like, she comes from nothing. And she became something. And she chose the path of the light side. I yeah. thought that core antithesis there was very powerful. I thought that was very interesting yeah. to play with. As opposed to what we got in Rise of Skywalker. 
like oh <sighs> boy what is this <laughs> yeah i liked how in this movie the fact that like she's not all powerful she can't win against snow but she still tries and i thought that was awesome too yeah. she wants to save ben I like that Snoke showed that when you're strong with the Force, you don't need a lightsaber because he's just owning her. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Without even like getting up, he's like, with the fingers, get out of here, yeah. <laughs> get out of here, <laughs> get out of here. This is so much better than the Yoda scene with Count Dooku. Yeah, Yoda yeah. should have like not even had a lightsaber. He should have walked in with his with his cane, and Dooku should have like swung his lightsaber at him. He just been like, nah. Nah, just knocked yeah. him back. Yep. The only good part of that was he just sucks up the lightning and sends it back at him. I'm like, oh, that's cool. That's Yoda where Yoda should be. He's like, nah, much to learn you still have. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yes, that's cool. And then the lightsaber comes out and you're like, no, no, no. <laughs> but yeah, like for me, I went to doing a full 180, you know, went from hating this movie to actually enjoying it once they got over Rose. <laughs> once you get past the dumb Star Wars stuff, which which I've got grown very good at doing, <laughs> after watching all these goddamn films, you just gotta get past the dumb Star Wars stuff. And then there's, like, the Christmas special, which is 100% oh, dumb no. Star Wars yeah. stuff. <laughs> it's all dumb stuff. It's all the dumb stuff and none of the good stuff. I couldn't watch more than five minutes. I I don't know what else. What other dumb stuff do we have to address in this film that uh, people have incorrectly latched onto? I don't know. I at least I covered all the dumb stuff that I wanted to. I want to talk briefly about the throne room fight. Oh, it's so poorly choreographed. Yeah, yes. I have the choreography is not great. I mean, I can't blame the stunt guys for this. They're doing their best. They're doing as they're directed. There's too many moments where, like, if you're watching it. You just see one of the guys just spinning in the background. <laughs> He's like, oh, shit. Uh, I missed my mark. They, oh, no. <laughs> they missed I'm their mark. Hit her, oh, shit. So I, I missed spin. my mark. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta spin. Gotta spin. Spin. Spin, spin, spin. <laughs> the first time I saw it, I'm like, oh, that's visually interesting. And watch it again. I'm like, I kind of hate the fact that they're red and the throne room is red. You lose a lot of the contrast and it kind of muddies the image. If the throne room were, like, black or something, and there's more contrast, I think it would have been more... Or even, like, just not completely red. Just give us, like, red highlights. It would have been a little bit more visually interesting. As it is, you have red dudes fighting against a red background. And, like, and, red and then Kylo's <laughs> got, like, the red saber, and they all have red weapons. You're like, there's other colors. <laughs> there's other colors. Oh, I forgot about that moment. Oh, when he gets shredded? When he gets shredded. I like that. <laughs> it's kind of visceral. Yeah, I like that he just, like, he gets blended apart. Yeah, it's it's okay. It's okay, yeah. It could have been, been done a little bit better. I wish they focused more on the idea of the struggle and the fight, the reason, instead of making something look flashy. Yeah. Which, again, the first time watching, I was like, this looks pretty cool. And then if you can slow it down a little bit, you're like, oh. <laughs> yeah, it's more Beyblade. flash substance. Yeah, it's just yeah. Beyblading in the background. <laughs> Everyone's a Beyblade, whether they want to be or not. <laughs> Let her rip. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit unfortunate. Yeah, I kind of like the general idea that they had where they have to work together. They need each other to win. They can't do it alone. Yeah, I like that they're coming together. 
And then the director inserts like, let everything die. <laughs> let, let, everything, it die. let it let die. Let it all burn down. Yeah, that seemed a little bit, little bit off-putting for me. When I was in the audience, I was like, yes, unlimited <laughs> yes. power. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> Do it. Let it all die. And then another big issue of the film is we have the climax here, and then the film just keeps going for like another 40 minutes. <laughs> it's a little bit unfortunate. The You know what? That leads into the Luke scene, and I didn't like it at first, but then I understood why it was there and why it was important. The scene where Luke is force projecting himself somehow right. from far away, and then he fights Kylo. He does what he, he said, where he's talking to Rey on the island. It's like, what do you expect me to do? Because then he's addressing the problem with Force Awakens, where they're like, if you find Luke, we'll have hope again. And then Luke is like, how does that even make sense? Do you expect me to walk in and just fight the First Order with my laser sword, uh, right? And then he does that at the end. And it's important because I think Ryan Johnson redeemed that idea, that, that narrative plot, because he becomes a legend. Stories of him facing the First Order by himself, all those troops, all those ships, all those, you know, Sith there, Kylo Ren there, and he beats them. He makes a laughingstock out of them. And then he just disappears. He's not defeated. And that yeah. gives hope to people to rise up and fight as well. I mean, it was really cheesy and ham-fisted with the kid at the end with the rebel ring because god dang it rose instead of freeing the kid you gave him a ring <laughs> kid could have been like free <laughs> he could yeah have been like actually free well not a slave anymore and you're endangering his life by giving him something that could get him killed <laughs> like i like that i don't know i was kind of mixed about it at first that's the last we see of luke but then i realized that it's actually really powerful because it reaffirms that core idea that a Jedi, a Jedi's ultimate victory is winning without fighting. Yeah. And he wins without fighting. <laughs> he does. He, he wins by giving hope. Yeah, he gives hope, a little bit subtle, and he doesn't have to kill anyone. He's like, see you around, kid. <laughs> and I loved that final image of Luke uh, looking into the twin sons because, you know, we're coming full circle on his character. And it's like the final chapter. I, th- I think it was it's a beautiful little send off. People hated it, you know. People freaking hated it because they like, want you more ruined Luke. Luke. Yeah. We wanted Luke to swing his lightsaber and cut a star destroyer in half. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, I like this Luke better. He's more relatable. He's more grounded. He's more flawed, and he redeems himself by doing something incredible at the end. He's still the hero. He did something more powerful than actually defeating the First Order by fighting them. He gave hope to every single person out there in, in the galaxy. I think that's more of a powerful statement. It's just that the execution was a little bit sloppy, in, in my opinion. A little bit, yeah. Oh, just a little bit. It could have been better. The script needed a little bit of tightening. Yeah. And then, yeah, that, that's the end of Skywalker. They're all gone. Because <laughs> uh, Carrie Fisher, unfortunately, died just before the release of this film, right? We were I doing press so, yeah. jacket stuff. Uh, it was super sad, and I'm still sad about it. Uh, and then it left him in an unfortunate position for the final film. We'll, we'll talk about this more, but basically how they had to write the final film is that all the archival footage from this film and from The Force Awakens, and they had all their writers sitting in a room just watching the footage, saying like, oh gosh, how do we tie this Bit into the a scene. narrative? 
because none of it was faked. They didn't do any CGI. They didn't do any fakery with her lines or anything. It was all it was all actual footage of of her acting. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's I appreciate yeah. it. I actually would have preferred if they just I don't know did less with her. But it, it is what it is. I don't know. Is there is there anything else you'd like to talk about? Anything else you want to cover? Not really. Just that these character arcs, they're they're grounded, they're more real than what we're used to seeing. This movie has a lot more space to breathe. But yeah, I, I liked it on second viewing. And I think if I watched it again and I delete the dumb stuff, uh, I actually delete it. I'm going to make an edit myself. I'm going to make a fan edit. <laughs> Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to do it. I'm going to spend the rest of my life making Last Jedi perfect. <laughs> but like, I think I'm going to like this movie more. Like, I really like this movie more than the new trilogy, the rest of it. The Force Awakens and definitely more than Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. I guess for for my closing bit, I th- I love a lot of the core ideas of this film, mm. like the idea of moving forward, the idea that our legends are not quite as austere as we'd like them to be. Johnson's uh, meta commentary, like everyone's idea of Star Wars, is is too much much greater than anything we can ever show you on the screen. You know. Yeah. Just let it die. <laughs> yeah, I think. I'm going to make a bold statement here. And I think, okay. I do think Ryan Johnson was not the best choice for this film, even though I personally liked the film that he made. Me too. Uh, yeah. I think that overall, his talents as a screenwriter, this is not really, it doesn't play to his talents. Mm. I, think, I thought this was an interesting direction for Star Wars, but I can see why most people hated it because Star Wars was never, there was not very, there was no cynicism in Star Wars. It was very straightforward it it's was innocent. good versus there's innocence to it exactly yeah. and that's not ryan johnson does not make those types of films his films are always there's a little bit of cynicism they're very genre savvy they're very they're, they're a little bit meta they're they're a little bit tongue-in-cheek and star wars was never really that it's all simple stories about good versus evil you know damsel in distress uh, magical space wizards and stuff like that. And and Johnson wrote his film, his version of Star Wars, which is interesting and it's lovely ideas to play with and I can appreciate them. But, you know, a quote unquote true Star Wars fan, which frankly I believe no longer exists anywhere in this world because <laughs> there's no such thing as a true Star Wars fan anymore. Uh a true Star Wars fan might might hate it. And that's perfectly mm. understandable, you know. Yeah, you I understand like what you as like, well. You hate what you hate. For me, it was just Rose, but... <laughs> yeah, I, I wish yeah. people would have given this movie more of a chance. Yeah. Once that, once that hate train got rolling, it was, like I said, it was like 1942, and it's Hitler calling all the Nazis yep. <laughs> out to arms. And then everyone's like, ah, hatred, ah, anger. Heil. <laughs> ah, sick Heil. Sick Heil, sick Heil. Gentlemen. <laughs> Last Jedi sucks. And then, oh yeah, uh, Luke Saber is destroyed at the end of this film. Yeah, it is. It's torn in half. It's completely gone. Uh, yeah, torn in half. I th- I don't remember. Did we did we see her with the pieces of it at the end? I don't even remember. No, but it just shows up in Rise of Skywalker. So we'll just assume that she glued, hot glued it together or something. Yeah. Yeah. She used the Force. She used the Force. That's always the answer. They use the Force. Well, she does use the Force to do literally everything. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
so yeah, that's like my I personally like this mm-hmm. film, and I think mm-hmm. that you can look at it and say that it's it's a good film. It's visually incredible, like the mm-hmm. wide All shots. All of them are. Yeah. The wide shots and in the in this film are absolutely stunning. I actually think this this is the best looking film of the three as well. Mm, okay. uh, the Force Awakens, Last Jedi, and A Rise of Skywalker. I think it's the best looking because they give you a little bit of time to to linger on those visuals. And the score, as always, brilliant. I, I don't know. There, I, don't, I don't think I'm ever gonna have a time where I listen to the score. I'm like John Williams is only an okay composer. He's always. <laughs> yeah. He's always fantastic. Uh, great performances from everyone. Everyone does their best. Uh, Rose does the best that she can with what with she was given. With the script she's given, yeah. Uh, I thought Mark Hamill really kind of stole the show here with his performance of old Bitter Luke. Uh, there's like all the regret and you know anger. And it's it's great. Just like, listen again, to the dialogue, guys. Just his face too. It's great. It's the, it's the first time I've seen Mark Hamill on on screen in forty years. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, it's a, it's pretty wonderful. It is. Uh, gosh, I don't know where to rate this. You know, I would probably rate this almost exactly the same as Return of the Jedi. Oh, really? Okay. I, th- I think I would. You know, I think I think I would give this film seven Suicide Squads. Okay. How about you, Sam? Yeah, for me, um, okay. Apparently, this is Isaiah's favorite movie of all time. By the way, yeah, he just, <laughs> he he just texted me. Yes. He's like, "Yo, I can't be there, but uh, dead ass, Last Jedi, twelve Suicide Squads." <laughs> That's on our spreadsheet, so it must be true. <laughs> yeah, he's a butt, so he couldn't be here, but he decided to, to you know, let me know what his thoughts were. Exactly. He'll go down in history as saying I Last Jedi is the best movie ever created. But uh for me, I started off thinking the movie was okay, and the more I thought about it, the dumb stuff stuck out to me so much cuz they're they're really dumb. And that soured the movie for me, and I couldn't let go of that, but once I watched the movie again as a movie, not as a Star Wars movie, just as a regular movie, I realized that there's a lot of good here, especially with the characters. The character development, uh, their backstories, the just overall pacing of the story is a lot better for me than Force Awakens and Rise of Skywalker. And I, I really liked it. There's just so much nuance and subtlety. Like, not everyone's bad and not everyone's good. They are, like, mostly good. But they're just, like, they have flaws. And then they're mostly bad, but then there's a little bit of hope there for them, uh, for redemption and all of that. There's a struggle. I think this movie represents a struggle. Like Finn, Finn's character, when you mentioned that, it's just a, a guy trying his best. I was like, I didn't, didn't really think of it that way because I wanted an uh, anime hero where he starts off weak and then turns all powerful <laughs> at the end. There's a time skip and a training montage. Yeah, and it's a time, unlim- yeah. unlimited power. Unlimited power, power yeah. For me, I'm going to have to give it a 9 because... Again, the dumb stuff is so dumb, but if I... Okay, I'm going to make the fan edit. I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to remove the casino scene, and I'm going to remove uh, all the stupid stuff. But, like, the stuff that's there that I like, I like it so much. Like, I, it represented to me a direction that Star Wars could have gone in that would have been amazing. Like, these character-driven, 
nuanced stories where it doesn't have to be a chase sequence. It doesn't have to have explosions. It doesn't adhere to anything from the original trilogy. Uh, it just tries to create something new, and I think that's that's something incredible there because I like what I saw. Uh, the more I watch it, the more I like it, and the less the stupid stuff matters to me. Uh, because there's stupid stuff everywhere. And I talk about Return of the Jedi. Like, I, I don't like that movie now. <laughs> I like it less. But, uh, yeah, that's it. Again, Isaiah rates it a 12. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, easily the best movie of all time, according to Isaiah. Yeah, exactly. Send, send all of your hate mail to... Uh, I, I don't know if he has a Twitter. <laughs> well, so send, it, send it to the Pointy Hat cast. At gmail.com. We'll but address it, it to him. Isaiah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see we'll see to it that he gets gets yeah, we'll, we'll forward it to him. We'll make sure it's actually forward to all three of our inboxes so we can revel <laughs> in the in the hate mail that Isaiah's gonna get. <laughs> Alright. Uh, anything else to throw in there? No, I don't think so. Ryan Johnson's a solid director. I I yeah. recently watched another film, the new film by him, uh, Knives Out. It was actually yeah. it was actually a lot of fun. It might be I don't think it's the best movie of the year, but it was one of my favorite movies of the year. Wow, I'm gonna I'm gonna watch it now. It was really fun. And he recently released uh, a director's commentary that you can oh. download. So if you go to watch it, you can you can sync it up to the movie and watch it with it. Uh, apparently, he did that for Looper as well. He did not do one for uh, Last Jedi. Oh, I think maybe Disney wouldn't let him, but yeah, it, uh, I I actually listened to the commentary track and I'm like, oh wow, yeah, he's he's smart a smart guy. He's a pretty smart guy, and he seems like a really genuine guy that really enjoys making films and just has is a really nice guy. Mm, unfortunate, because I, I used to hate Ryan Johnson, but uh, after revisiting the movie, you know what? He's not a bad guy. <laughs> he's not a bad guy. I don't he's think he's a even bad a bad guy. Yeah. He's not a bad director at all, or a writer. Uh, I take that back. Genius yeah. writer-director. Okay, Ryan I don't know Johnson. about genius. Genius. <laughs> He's pretty smart. Got some high concepts going on. It's just that when you got really stupid stuff in the movie, you can't give him the label of genius unless it was intentional. <laughs> Maybe, Maybe it, it was. was. Maybe it was because Knives Out apparently didn't have did it have dumb stuff in it or no? Um, it had a couple things that were a little bit dumb. Like to on the level of Last Jedi. No, not not nearly. Okay, there are a couple. There are a couple of little stretches. There are a couple um, um, directing decisions that might be might be a little bit off-putting to people. I don't I don't want to give anything away because the movie relies heavily on mystery. Getting uh, sort of it relies on you getting the information in order. Uh, as, okay. as 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 any whodunit like murder mystery type thing will. Uh, if you if you get anything anything out of order, then uh, it it might ruin the basic premise of the film. So I don't want to talk about it very much all right. at all. Fair enough. I do want to watch it though. I was very interested when I saw the trailer, and then I saw Ryan Johnson, and I was like, "Oh no!" <laughs> but oh, now I'm like, no. um, But now I'm like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> it's I mean, a mini review. It's it's visually great. I didn't pay much attention to the score. The setting is wonderful. All the acting is great. Well written, well directed. So, yeah, fun. Definitely mm. a fun film. I can recommend it to. I think just about anyone, especially people that hated The Last Jedi. So you can mm. see something else that Ryan Johnson has made and kind of understand where he's coming from. Uh, but other than that, uh, I don't have anything else to talk about. How about you, Sam? All right. Uh, yeah, Rose is dumb. 
Uh, <laughs> not her fault. Yeah. Not, not, not the actor's fault. Not, not, yep, just the, the, the dialogue. Uh, anyways, on that note, uh, catch you guys next time. Thanks for dropping by, guys. Stay pointy. Stay pointy. I saw darkness. I'd sensed it building in him. I'd seen it in moments during his training. But then I looked inside, and it was beyond what I ever imagined. Snoke had already turned his heart. He would bring destruction and pain and death at the end of everything I love because of what he will become. And for the briefest moment of pure instinct, I thought I could stop it. It passed like a fleeting shadow. And I was left with shame. And with consequence. And the last thing I saw were the eyes of a frightened boy whose master had failed him.